there's really not a massive difference to me between Will Levis and Malik Willis right now, which is kind of what I expected to see. And I think that's less to do with... Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, May the 24th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze. You can follow me on Twitter at Easton Freeze. And I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runkey. We're brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com and the 440 Podcast Network. JT, what's going on, man? We're back. How are you doing? I know, we're back um, after a, a little bit of a hiatus, but... It's been since Friday? Since Friday, so like, yeah, but... Not like, longer than the average podcast. All these weekly guys just phoning it in once a week. Not exactly right. About, but uh, um, but just, it's like jokes. Why would you? <laughs> why Why would you do a show on Monday when the most important thing of the of the week is happening on Tuesday? You well, know? and that so, was our that was our rationale for deciding. Yeah. You know, we'll pump the brakes on the Monday show. We've got OTAs for the Titans. Obviously, that's what today's topic is. Um, throughout the entire show, not going to do a warm up. Not going to do any Titans news. This is the Titans news. We're going to go through everything. That I saw and heard from OTAs yesterday at St. Thomas Sports Park up at the Titans facility in North Nashville. And um, JT, there was quite a bit significantly more substance to be had from yesterday than rookie minicamp uh, 10, 12 days ago, whenever that was. Um, because the, the whole team is there. You got veterans, you got storylines, you got narratives. You get to see the rookies, the young guys up against the veteran talent. You get that, you know, being able to see them side by side. That juxtaposition shows you what, what exactly how close they are to being on par for NFL caliber play. So we'll talk about all of that. We'll go kind of position by position, um, kind of conversational today. Before we dive into it, just a heads up for everybody that's joining us live. Thanks so much for being here with us and, and spending your lunch break or uh, your drive or whatever you may be doing in your day with us. A little midday Titans discussion is always a good time on a Wednesday and we would appreciate one small favor from you. If you would not mind retweeting, re reposting, um, liking, sending the link to a friend or, or some family, like whatever you can do to help us amplify this live stream, that would be, a, I would consider it a personal favor. So thanks for doing me a solid on that one. Um, and then if you want to be a part of the conversation, head on over to YouTube, find Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. You'll find this live stream. And then the comment section, of this live stream on YouTube only, not the comments on Twitter, not the comments on Facebook. Unfortunately, th those platforms don't allow us to aggregate those comments on our interface. But on YouTube, we can see what you have to say, like Logan and Diesel, who have both already chimed in in the uh, pre-chat on YouTube. You can uh, be a part of that. Any questions you might have about OTAs, any comments you have about OTAs, we want to hear them. So head on over there and let us know. Join the conversation. All right, JT, we can kind of... Uh, kind of I'll kind of, if you would not mind, if you would be so kind as to maybe take the reins and, and help guide us through today's topics um, and, and maybe, maybe just a little interview back and forth here. I, you can ask the questions you think that people want to know, and I'm happy to answer any and all that I can. How's that sound? Yeah. I mean, we can start with that. Of course. I mean, okay. the biggest thing for OTAs is of course the quarterbacks. Well, there's um, three of them now. So there's well, three of, of them. So. Are. Yeah, uh, we have a little clip of them here, right? Um, of them. Well, yeah, we can. This I, that I forgot to even tell you what this clip is, and we can kind of just play it in the background. It's just an aggregation of all the practice film that I got, but it does start with the quarterbacks, and we can kind of start. We can kind of start there. Um, yep, there we go. So, so while that's playing in the background, JT, we did get to see those three guys: Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and 
Will Levis, all three in action together, which was nice to get to. I mean, speaking of juxtaposition, getting to see them all together. And that's really been the big question mark for folks. How are these three guys going to pan out? What's the power ranking going to be? What's the order going to be? Who's QB one, two and three? We're all kind of on the same page about Ryan Tannehill, barring injury or trade or some miraculous breakthrough that nobody sees coming being the quarterback one. Okay, that that is something that was backed up by yesterday. It is pretty clear that he is head and shoulders above these other two guys, which of course he is, right? He's the veteran. He's the guy that's been around the block for over a decade. These guys, you know, these other two guys grew up watching Ryan Tannehill play in the NFL, and now they're playing with him. But um, in terms of the second and third order, which is really what people want to know about, right? I mean, that's really the question is, is Will Levis already better than Malik Willis? Limited sample size, first of all. So I'm not going to I'm try my best not to be definitive about anything based on yesterday because, you know, we didn't get to see but one practice for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And and it's very limited sample size of what we saw. We it'd be it'd be best to be able to see them a number of times through OTAs. And unfortunately, we're not going to get a chance to do that until camp. That's really when, you know, I can you can go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and see the progression of these guys. But all of that, all of those disclaimers being said there's really not a massive difference to me between Will Levis and Malik Willis right now, which is kind of what I expected to see. And I think that's less to do with, well, Will Levis just isn't there yet. No, I think Will Levis is, is already a pretty polished guy in terms of the way, you know, mentally the, the lack of polish comes with some of the mechanics, right? We've talked about it ad nauseum, the footwork, the, the platform, the uh, inaccuracy issues, maybe some of the decision-making issues, but his ability to operate the offense, his ability to, um, command the field, be a leader, um, make reads, make decisions. Like it's all there already. And so that saying that they're on a similar plane is not a diss of Will Levis, more a, I kind of maybe told you so a little bit on Malik Willis, right? I, I tweeted before um, we went to OTAs. I tweeted on Monday that something that I'd been sitting on and JT, you know, that behind the scenes, I've been talking to you about this for a couple weeks now. Like I kind of think Malik Willis is going to surprise some folks this summer and this fall. Maybe, maybe not to the that nuance, right? Not supposed to surprise them like, wow, look at this franchise quarterback. No, but I think he's going to look significantly better than he did this time last year and in, in games last year. Because JT, I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. Apparently, some folks have forgotten this is a thing. Quarterbacks, regardless of their skill level, typically get a lot better from year one to year two. And that's often amplified by a quarterback like, I don't know, Malik Willis coming from an offense like, I don't know, Liberty, where there's not even uh, even remotely um, anything analogous to what an NFL offense looks like in their scheme. It's very gimmicky, very collegiate. That element of coming into a brand new system, brand new style of football, typically in year one, these guys there's a serious learning curve. There's a, there's a little bit of a um, trial by fire. And we saw that with Malik Willis more than I think you could have bargained for more certainly than you would have wished for, for him last year being thrown into the fray. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here at practice yesterday, getting flashbacks to watching him um, uh, on uh, was it Sunday night football in Kansas city when, when they almost won that game and he's having to throw to a bunch of lawn chairs and deck furniture out there. And uh, he he was trying his best. And I actually thought that was his best game last year. He looked pretty good despite some really trying circumstances. Oh, and an offensive line that was tissue paper. But all of that being said, he looks better 
in in this circumstance with a year under his belt, you can tell there's been development on his end in his camp. And we we talked to Sean McAvoy, his personal quarterback coach on this show, relatively relatively frequently. Have a good relationship with him, and I text with him a good bit. Talked with him the past couple of weeks just about you know what's the deal been with Malik's offseason. There's not been a ton of social media presence from that camp. There's not been a ton um, being talked about um, from from him and and his guys like Sean McAvoy and and uh, Quincy Avery and these guys that he works with over at QB Takeover. What what's the deal? Like what's he been doing? How's he look? And and his his response to me has largely been that first of all, that's kind of the point, right? We we've been trying to keep this under wraps. He said that Malik wanted them to take, and I respect this, right? Take a, let the, let the production on the field in July and August speak for itself approach. That's the approach they wanted to take. And that's the approach that they have taken. And based on yesterday and, and what we saw from him, there are still, he's not overcome all of the same issues that we we've seen with Malik Willis, right? It is still, there were times when he was running with the team uh, in team drills and it was like, you got to pull the trigger there. You're being too indecisive. He, you can see him making the progression from one to two to three, making reads across the field. But then he, you know, tucks it and runs on some occasions. You're like, just pull the trigger, man. And then there are a handful of times when he maybe a little bit of arm arrogance tries to force it in there. And you're like, what did he see there? There wasn't really an opportunity there. I don't know why he chose that tiny um, low probability window to go with, but we saw, I mean, we saw things like that from all three quarterbacks yesterday. Nobody looked like a stud. There was a little bit of shaking off the rust. Hey, by the way, it's May kind of going on with these guys, which I think is, is foolish to get all exaggerated, getting, getting all up in arms over, right? If they're making dumb mistakes and looking a little bit um, rusty in June and July and August, then maybe there's some questions there, but it is May. And these guys did have those flashes of, okay, these all three um, of these guys have some some NFL caliber quarterbacking within them. So that's kind of my, just to get all of that out on the quarterback power rankings. Those are my thoughts on, on where those guys are at right now. I think that it is Ryan Tannehill head and shoulders above the other two for the, for the foreseeable future, which okay, we, we've expected this. Right. And then Malik and Levis are kind of on the same plane, which is really a, a ball in, in the court of Levis. It's in his favor because he's, you know, got one less year in the system. He doesn't know the offense like Willis does. And he's a guy that is a year behind Willis in his development. So he's really kind of ahead of schedule in comparison to Malik. Now, let's focus on Malik a little bit, JT, because this is the topic I really want to dive into. With Tannehill, there's really not much else to say from yesterday. Like, he had a solid practice. It was one of those things that maybe no news is good news, where it's like nothing really to report. He was solid. He looked like the guy we've seen. Known known commodity. With Malik, uh, or with, with uh, Will Levis, rather. A lot of the same from rookie minicamp. He looks impressive. He looks like he's a, certainly an NFL caliber quarterback. That arm strength is certainly NFL caliber uh, to the extreme. I mean, he is he's going to be a top 10 arm strength, um, arm maybe a little bit of arm arrogance in there um, because he does have a cannon. But with Malik Willis, there, there are three clips that I have, and there's going to be a lot of show and tell today, by the way. So for folks that are listening via audio only or listening via the podcast uh, after this live stream has been up and posted, Go over to YouTube and find, you know, you don't have to just be there for the live stream to catch the YouTube. You can go and, and just watch it back on YouTube. And for today, we've got like 20 clips that we're going to show from yesterday that I got that I think are all important and all worth showing and talking about. So head on over there to get the full experience of today's show. But JT, this first clip is from Malik himself talking about the offseason that he's had, talking about his process. And here are his brief thoughts on how his uh, spring has gone. 
Just trying to get better every day. You know, focusing on what I can control on. What kind of stuff have you done this offseason? A lot, you know, it's been a long offseason. A lot of time since the last game we played. What is your mindset approaching, you know, this season, knowing, you know, Levis got drafted and it's a big offseason training camp for you? How are you approaching this, this period? I mean, what is knowing that change, you know? You go to work the same way, it don't matter. So this is a lot of the same Malik that we saw last year, JT. Like he's kind of reserved. He's not necessarily eager to give much substance in the answers. And that's just his personality. I'm not going to I'm not going to fault him for that. But I will, I think it is perfectly fair to say, like, I forget what the episode was last year, JT, but it was just a couple of months ago. We were talking about Malik a good bit in week 17, week 18 when he's getting benched. And I, I remember coming back from one of the that that last um, time we got to speak to him post game after he played and I was telling you and then we talked about it on the show at length like the the skill set I'm not worried about this guy from a from an athlete standpoint from a, pro a project trajectory standpoint I think he's actually on par and people have gotten over their skis with expectations for him like this was always a guy that needed a year but I did have some serious concerns about does he have it between the ears does he have the mentality have the attitude have the personality have the grit that is necessary to be an NFL quarterback. And he kind of reminded me of the it, elements of, of him as a person and the way that he approached the media reminded me of Marcus Mariota, who was always the, Oh, nice guy. Would love to have a beer with him. Would love to have be family friends with him. But is he got the guy I want, you know, operating the huddle, barking out orders to guys being a leader of men on a football field. Does he have that dog that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and, the, the Mannings and all these all these greats that like are fantastic, not just players, but leaders of their team. Does he have any of that in him? Still don't know, man. Still don't know. It was a lot of the same from him yesterday. I was kind of looking to see maybe he changes his approach. Um, and, and again, it is always hard from a media standpoint. Like maybe he's not the same person to us that he is in the huddle. Who knows, right? He, he could easily be choosing to uh, be be different with us than he is with his teammates. Maybe this isn't a, a super real version of him, but here's the next clip. And this one's from his new offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, talking about Malik in the offseason that he's had. You know, with Malik, he's done a great job of doing everything that we've asked him to do. Um, he's come in, he's put in the time, he's put in extra work, uh, studying our offense, studying defensive football. Um, Malik's done a great job of, of doing all that. And, and as far as changing, you know, how he plays, I don't, I don't know if that's a thing to say he's got such a unique skill skill set and um, you know when, when he's out there and he's playing fast you can really see those those traits flourish so uh, we want to make sure that, that as we do with everybody we want to continue to put our guys in, in positions and spots to where they can go out and they, they can execute and they can play to their strengths so we've heard from Malik we've heard from his coach now let's let's complete the trifecta here and hear from one of his teammates, so one of our fit, maybe I'll say for me, my favorite of his teammates, my favorite player on this team, Chig Akonkwo, the prince that was promised. Here's what Chig had to say when we asked him about Malik and if he'd gotten any work with him this offseason. A lot more uh, confident in the huddle, I'll say, when he, especially when he's calling the plays. And, you know, with, with his reads, he's a lot more decisive and the ball, you know, still jumps out of his hands and still has a great arm. I feel like he's, he's been really, really accurate too with his throws. All right, so um, we can move on to the weapons here in a moment, but that, it's comments like that, JT, that made me think maybe he's not the same guy with us in the in the media scrum that he is in in the locker room and in the huddle with his teammates because you know maybe Chig is just doing him a solid and speaking highly of his teammate like a good teammate should do, but 
you you hear enough of this from guys, and I I've gotten some behind the scenes information from somebody that is close to Traylon Burks talking about how like Burks has kind of a lot of belief, has some faith in in Malik Willis, likes him a lot. So maybe that's a result of them, you know, when when guys are brought in on the same class, there, there's an element of you know camaraderie there. But I, it does make me pause a little bit in my evaluation of him as a person. It still is something that I have a big fat question mark next to. Yeah, we can move I mean, on. Yeah, yeah no, go ahead. One, one more thing on that. It's, it's, I mean, but with the narrative that's gone around him all season with drafting right. Will Levis, it's, it's hard to, it's hard for him not to maybe have that little chip on his shoulder. And maybe that's oh, where yeah. it's coming from now. It, more of, more so of being maybe just not an unproven leader as we saw him. And that's what kind of turned us off to him last season. But like having all these like preconceived notions to him coming into camp, playing a little bit more close to the chest, wanting to just prove it with what, he what he can do on the field rather than say all the right things because it, like like you said I think that is has some merit to it and also it, it if it begs the question of of course are the Titans going to keep three quarterbacks on this roster uh, because um in and it's a it's an interesting question because of course with the new right. three quarterback rule even though he can be elevated on game day and not count for a roster spot he still has to be on this roster and can't be on the practice squad Right. Um, which is interesting to see how it is. But I mean, if he keeps doing what he's doing and as, as we've heard from McAvoy and all of his teammates right here, it seems like he's doing everything. Um, it seems like he's doing everything that they're asking him to do right now. And it seems like um, outside of like media discussion, it's not um, seems like his leadership is not a big question. It, right, it'll, maybe be, the perception it'll be hard in that room is different than our perception. Yeah, is what it, you're it, it, it'll be, it'll be hard for them to not have him on the 53 man roster. I think. Right. No. And that there's, I agree with a lot of what you said for, first of all, from a, well, let me get to that in a second from, from the, from the perspective of maybe he's a little bit not happy because he's, you got all this preconceived notion that I'm sure like it's infuriating to him. How can it not be infuriating? Um, I'm sure he tries his best not to pay attention to it, but you you just can't not see some of it. And then, you know, I am curious to see how he handles this. You were brought in last year to be the to be the hunter, to be the, you know, Ryan Tannehill was the hunted. It was your job to track him down and to catch him. Now you've got a guy that you're chasing after still in Ryan Tannehill. And there's a guy behind you who was drafted higher than you. And as a prospect, people have more belief, belief in and it's probably more polished a product coming out than you were. And so that, you know, he's, he's kind of in the middle. He's like the middle child now. And how's he going to handle that in the locker room? How's he going to handle that through camp is an interesting question. Now, Kenneth, whose question, whose yeah, comment we just had up on the screen is saying, unless Tannehill is traded, we all know where this is headed. Kenneth, I disagree. I, I, I thought before that rule came down from the NFL yesterday that they were more likely to keep three quarterbacks than to not. And I'm even more confident in that now. Yeah. Now, yes, people are misunderstanding a little bit the rule about how you can have three quarterbacks. It's not a free quarterback, though. Um, it's like like JT mentioned, it has to count against your 53 man roster. So in that respect, it's not a whole lot different. What changes in my understanding, JT, is that you now can have that third guy active and not count against your active um, count of players on game day. They, they can be available to play only if the first two guys aren't available. You it can't be from, uh, you know, Ryan Tannel got, got hurt and then Will Levis went in and he just sucked and got benched at halftime. Let's put Malik in. Now, both guys have to be incapacitated, unable to play rule. I think ruled out of the game in order for that third guy to come in, but now they can, 
which is it's the Brock Purdy rule, right? We saw Christian McCaffrey warming up at quarterback there for a second in the NFC Championship game because they weren't quite sure if Josh Johnson was going to get the job done. Um, now, as to whether they will or, or won't, and we got a couple of comments on this, uh, Logan mentioning that you have the third emergency, yeah, third emergency quarterback without using the active game day spot. That's correct. Dr. Lipschitz says you can always pick up a quarterback if you're in a pinch. Dobbs looks serviceable, looked serviceable rather. Vrabel won versatile pieces on the roster. Um, and then Logan says the issue isn't being in a pinch. The issue is having two quarterbacks go down on game day, which is correct. Um, I, I just I disagree with this idea that uh, and, and another comment from from the doc here. The only thing with Malik is that there's literally no chance Vrabel keeps three quarterbacks on the 53. I, I really disagree with that. I think that's not accurate. I think part of that JT is because of the depth of this team, like players 33 through 53, if you ex exclude those three quarterbacks are all like, eh, are all like you'd like them to be the four, you know, the 33rd player on this roster is a guy you look at and you're like, I'd prefer him to be the 45th or 47th guy on this roster, not the 33rd. And I just think when you get down to that 45th through 53, like those eight last eight to 10 guys, I look at I was looking at this list yesterday going through the roster from camp and it's like, ah, dude, I can't find eight to ten guys at the very back of this roster that I'd rather have than to have these three guys on the team together. Because here's the thing, JT, all of those guys, whether you'd rather have them than Malik or not, all of those guys that are going to be 40, 43rd through 53rd are dudes that you can put on the practice squad and really not worry about another team coming and scalping them. Right. And that's the thing you have to worry about when you got to put a guy on the practice squad, unless you choose to protect them, which you can only do a number of times and you can only do with limited players. You have to be able to um, be willing to let them go. You're taking that risk because another team can come and swoop them up with Malik and Will Levis, of course, and Ryan Tannehill. Like it's really just Malik that we're questioning. They're not. Will Levis is not going to the practice squad. Tannehill obviously is not with Levis or with Malik. Rather, if you put him on the practice squad. I can almost guarantee you another team's going to come and, and grab him just to take the flyer at the very least. There's no shot. And that's something that I was talking about with Sean McAvoy, his quarterback coach the other day. You can't do that unless you're just willing to give up on Malik and to, to let him go because he will be gone if they do that. And so I think that they're not going to. I think they're going to try to keep all three on the roster. And unless Malik has an abysmal July and August, I think they're going to. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Maybe we'll have a little bit of a debate on that on Friday's show. But let's move on to the weapons from yesterday, JT. Yeah, let's move on here. And first of all, we have to talk about we've we've been hyping up the past week and a half or so. Traylon Burks. He's, oh yeah, he's kind of uh, changed his diet. He's kind of put the put the work in for conditioning, and he said uh, how good he feels and how fast he feels out on the um, on the field here early in OTAs and whatnot. What did you see from him yesterday? Yeah, he was a guy that looked a lot skinnier than he than he did. This time last year, um, he was somebody that um, it, it's it, it's noticeable just eye test. And we didn't actually ask him. I don't think anybody actually asked him about how much weight he'd lost. We know he mentioned it in his press availability last week, I believe it was. Yeah, last week when we had Danny Kelly on the show and the Titans so rudely scheduled that right in the middle of our programming. Um, we uh, we saw a guy yesterday on the field in, you know, not in pads, but in in a jersey in a helmet out there with the rest of the wide receiver core. And unlike last year where you looked at him and you saw, Oh, this guy's a, a big bodied, like got the size of AJ Brown for sure. 
got the size of the you know the DK Metcalfs, the true ones of the league, the real big fellas that are just going to be a problem if you're an undersized defensive back. But the question was, is it is his size the right size? You know, is there a little baby fat there? And then that idea is promulgated by, oh, he can't finish a practice. He's dealing with asthma problems. He feels like he's out of shape. Um, and then this year you hear yes or last week rather about how he's gotten much better into shape. He feels like he's way more conditioned. He's been working hard on that. Yesterday he looked more conditioned. He looked faster. He looked more comfortable out there in the in the heat. And he looked like a guy physically that was a little bit skinnier. He also, JT, from a usage standpoint, this is where we tread into the Easton has to be careful about what exactly he says so that the Titans Gestapo does not come after me for giving away their their secrets. Um I, I don't I don't see any reason why he's not going to be a massive, 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 massive part of this offense this this season, which is like a duh thing to say. But from the way that he was being utilized, the the plays that he made yesterday, a number of very good plays, getting open, getting separation, being targeted quite a bit by all three quarterbacks. I think that for him, that that is a, a guy that is on track, absolutely, where they want him to be and where fans should want him to be. Yeah, another guy who we haven't seen for quite a while, not not since early in the season last year, Kyle Phillips was also there and had a little bit of media availability. Um, what 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 did you see from him and the sights and sounds on Kyle Phillips? How do how are you projecting him to be a factor in this offense the upcoming season? So we got a couple clips from Phillips, which we'll play in a moment. But Phillips looked good. Phillips looked like the guy we saw last year, and there was much made about his performance in rookie minicamp, and then OTAs, and then mandatory minicamp, and then camp in the in the in the spring training camp, or excuse me, in the fall, and then in week one against the Giants, we saw that guy, and then he got injured and was injured with the number of nagging injuries the rest of the year. We never really got to see that guy again. We saw that guy yesterday. He looked like that guy, and he looked like the guy when you're watching the wide receiver drills and some of the videos that you saw posted on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. You're like, oh, there's still that dude that from a footwork, from a technique, from a polish standpoint, he is so much better than the vast majority than the rest of the team. I think from a footwork and technique standpoint, he's more polished a receiver than Traylon Burks is. He just physically has many more limitations than Burks does. But he is a technician, technician player that you want in the slot and I think can be a massive impact to this team. The first clip we have from Burks is him talking about adding a little bit of weight this summer. I'm not going to go, or this spring rather, I'm not going to go deep into this debate, but Tyler Rowland over at um, Locked on Titans at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter and I and Teron Davenport and I believe Mike Herndon back from the fall, all of this argument stems back to when he was injured and and clearly Tyler's not nearly as high on uh, Phillips, never has been as the rest of us. But his 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 argument has been that this guy has to get bigger to survive in the NFL. Has to. That was his contention then. It was his contention yesterday when him and I were going back and forth about it on Twitter. And my whole point about this, and I, I, I shouldn't do this to myself, JT, but it's a matter of, it's a, it's a nuanced argument that I make because I, I, it bothers me to my core when people in sports media are so reductive and definitive with things when, when you just dive into the historical um, or anal analytical side of the argument, actually look at the facts on the ground, try to build a case around that, you realize it's not nearly as binary, not nearly as black and white as people make it out to be. And I get it. It's fun to be definitive and have strong takes. And I make strong takes too, but I pick and choose my spots. I think that there are times when you can be definitive and, and present them as this is a definitive 
opinion of mine, but when people present things as definitive facts, when they clearly aren't, when you look at a guy like, like Kyle Phillips, who's 5'11", 185 or something, 190, you look at dudes historically that size, there have been dudes his size or smaller in NFL history that have not just survived, but have been good, some of them great NFL players, plus players on offense, household names that you know. So this idea that at his size, he simply cannot survive in the NFL, he's not durable enough, is craziness. But the problem is, I people see me as a fence rider because of the nuance of he doesn't have to get bigger, but getting bigger wouldn't be a bad idea, which has been my take all along with him. Yeah, I think he should add some bulk, but this idea that if he doesn't, he's a surefire bust in the league, that's what I've been pushing back on is nonsense. And ultimately, it's a silly little thing, I guess. So it's not worth me wasting my breath on anymore. Um, and I, there are a number. I'm not. I'm not just trying to totally dump on Tyler. There's a number of. I think he does a good job with a number of things. We just disagree on this front. Um, but all of that being said, we did ask Kyle Phillips about if he'd add any added any weight. And there was a bit of a leading question in there from a, a peer of mine in the media core. Like, is that in an, in an effort to add a little bit of armor? Which, again, my point in all of this is getting bigger cannot hurt unless you get so big that you lose some of that fleet of foot, that that agility. Um, I don't think that he has. He's only added a handful of pounds. Here's him telling us just how big he's gotten. Uh, I did probably around seven pounds so far. I'm going to keep trying to add more, but, you know, like I've told everyone else, you know, I want to do it, do it smart, do it slow, add good, clean weight. Make sure I can, you know, stay fast, stay quick. Is, is the hope that that adds a little bit of protection, maybe too, or, or, or you know? Yeah, I would say so a little bit. You know, she add a little bit of armor, and um, you know, obviously, everyone in the NFL is a little bigger, faster, stronger, so it helps with my play style as well. How much? And our second clip from Phillips is him talking about just how excited he is and the the patience factor he's had to really, um, well, be patient with, really struggle with. I'm sure, as anybody would not getting to be a guy that can play healthy ball since last September, which is a long time for a young guy that wants to, he's hungry. He wants to eat in the NFL. And I think that he can, here's him commenting on his patience level. Like that's who you can be in this league all the time. Yeah, no, I'm real excited. This whole off season, it's kind of all I've been thinking about is getting back to playing football, playing games and, you know, actually playing in moments when it matters. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. And for you, but really everybody out there. It's, it's a new team, yeah. a lot of new faces compared to what we've seen in some past years. Mm -hmm. How important is this time to build the foundation of what the Titans can be in 2023? Oh, this is huge, you know, uh, just going to work every day, growing closer and closer, and, you know, it's times like this where, you know, really get to know someone, know that you can count them on the field, you don't have to second guess it, you know they're going to do their job and they're going to do it to their best ability. So another comment here from Dr. Lip. He said he was hoping that Phillips would come in with like 15 pounds of muscle so that we get more than one game out of him this year. Fair, fair for you to want to get more than one game out of him this year. And I think that you will just the law of averages, unless you are just one of those dudes that is cursed by the gods with injury luck, you'll probably have a, a better injury year this year. And he said he's added seven pounds, which it had to have been seven pounds in lean muscle, which JT, like we know that is not an easy thing to do because he still is looking as lean and as fit as he was last year, rocked up, not a whole lot of excess fat on that dude. I'll tell you that right now. So if that's muscle, good for him. And that that will, I'm sure, result in um, being able to, to handle the day in, day out rigors of the NFL from a durability standpoint better. You'd imagine it, it can't make it any harder. 
Um, a couple more comments from from those listening, and we appreciate you guys being here. <laughs> Stony over the Sobros Network saying I should breathe. Yeah, I got I got a little a lot a little animated about you got, that it, it, <laughs> it bothers you, you are, me. It, you were you were a Kyle Phillips truther. So it, it, it's I mean, less it, about Kyle Phillips and more. I just get so <laughs> hot and bothered when we in sports media are so reductive and simplistic in our analysis and don't allow for things not being black and white things not being binary that just fundamentally bothers me um but anyways uh one more comment that's kind of off the beaten path we are in the weapons section of our conversation here dr lip asking how uh alize mack from the xfl looked jt there was one play i didn't tweet about this and we we couldn't film at the time but there was one play yesterday when they ran him on a go route as i think he lined up as an outside outside receiver with the ones he gets down the field and makes a really really fantastic catch like Again, the world's smallest sample size of one ball, one catch. <laughs> Other than that, he looked good throughout the day. It looked like he dude, fit in with dude's the Dude's going to be Megatron, ends. like off off his off sample size. I'm just of one. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying he's one of one on Megatron lookalike catches. And I mean, like everybody can do that once in a while. So I'm again not trying to pump up him as this guy that's going to be a massive element of the passing game. But and look and get out of here with. I'm not. I'm not even going to address that. Um, <laughs> uh, he he's a guy that looks like he could be an element for this team from a depth position. Like I think he could make the roster. He's, he's going to be battling to make the roster. Like he certainly is not above that cut line yet, but if he keeps doing the things that we saw him do yesterday in practice, he'll make the team and you may see him out there on occasion. And he may have a couple of catches this year where you're like, how about that? Alize Mack pulling some weight around here. He looked pretty good yesterday. Um, can we talk about another guy that looked pretty good? JT. Yeah, let's talk about someone who this morning I woke up on Twitter and it was just apparently so divisive today. But I don't know why. Ty J Spears, like I know why it's like... divisive, but other, <laughs> other than that, um, Ty J Spears looked like that dog yesterday. Yeah, from he did. a lot of the clips that I saw. Yeah, Spears looked good at rookie minicamp. We talked about him after that, um, but he did. It was kind of up and down. I remember us talking about like he looked good until he didn't. Right, but yesterday he just looked good, and there was no point when he didn't. Um, there were some of our peers, uh, Teron Davenport, uh, commented on a, a post of his this morning, which I'm guessing you're referring to on Twitter, talking about how, yeah, this guy looks like he's going to have a significant role. I can't say exactly how they were using him yesterday, but they clearly are already carving out a role for him. It looked a lot like what you saw with Kyle Phillips and Chikakonkwo last year in, in camp. And it was like, these guys are new and this team already is clearly carving out a role for this guy on their offense, which for those of us like you and I who've studied the tape and were big fans of his as a prospect before the Titans ever drafted him, you should be good. He's got one ACL. We don't know how long he'll be around. Like let's, let's get this guy rolling. I'm all for Ty J Spears having a splash impact as a rookie. I mean, he, I think looked, that he, he looked dominant at Tulane. Like let's just, let's, he was use their him. Whole offense. He let, was let's, the whole let's keep using him. Like he, like he was <laughs> last year until he just can't. And you know, maybe he, he outlives. Well, outlives like that first contract and he still looks good but like let's start let's yes. use him while while he's got the health you know when some fans say to that like oh that quit you know quit taking advantage of these players like that's not taking advantage dude i i can tell from talking to this guy he he wants like use me is the way that he's approaching this he wants to be a part of this team he wants to get out there and eat and have production and i think that he can he he made one catch in particular jt yesterday where he's running up the right side of the field on a on a kind of a, a shallow, shallow out route. And he's probably 20 or 30 yards from the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Stoney says we need to stop talking about Tajay Spears or he might have a little accident over there. 
Um, he was a guy that, or yesterday, sorry, I got totally lost where I was talking about. He's running up the right side of the field, a shallow out route. And the ball is thrown. I forget who the quarterback was thrown actually to his inside of the field shoulder instead of the sideline shoulder. So he has to make a really impressive mid sprint body control transition. And then it's a full extension arm catch towards the middle of the field. It was a very, very athletic play. It was a very wide receivery play, not the kind of catch you make running backs. You you see running backs make often at all. Like it's a Christian McCaffrey level. Like, oh, that guy could be just a receiver if you really wanted him to kind of play. Now, again, really small sample size, but with him, we at least saw a number of plays like that yesterday. And and again, from an, from a usage standpoint, this team's going to be using him quite a bit. And uh, Dr. Lip here saying that he really likes that he's an outside zone specialist, averaged seven yards per carry in our exact scheme. Yeah, exactly. He he ran a scheme from a running standpoint, similar to what the Titans have run for years. Let's hear from the Titans' new offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly. Here's a clip of him being asked about what he thinks Tajay Spears can be in terms of a compliment to Derrick Henry. Yeah, I wouldn't say that we haven't had it, uh, but... They, they, have, they have totally different skill sets. Obviously, you just look at them walking side by side, and I think that's pretty clear to see. Um, but no, Tajay's done a good job coming here, and, and again, with as much as we put on them, and, and you know, obviously running the ball and pass protection, and then being able to take advantage of his skill set to be able to go and win uh, one-on-one matchups, um, he's done a good job. So hopefully, you can put another good day together, and we continue to grow. Yeah, and that qu- I forget who asked the question, but a little bit of a misguided question there. I hope they don't actually think that the Titans haven't had a guy like Spears. Um, there was a guy at running back last year, forget his name, who who was doing a lot of this for the Titans at the beginning of the season before he tore his ACL late in the year. Dontrell Hilliard? Yeah, that, that's a, no, I was I was joking about forgetting his name. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don, yeah Dontrell I, Hilliard. I, I actually <laughs> thought you forgot his name. No, 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 like, no, no. That's no. a weird name to forget. No, Dontrell Hilliard is a guy who did what I think you're going to see Spears do. And Hilliard is a little incapacitated. I mean, he wasn't out there yesterday, had a late season ACL tear. So hopefully he is recovering well. And I think he still can be that player. Um, I should have. <laughs> Thanks for the the help in the, the chat there, Logan. I, see, I, I wasn't alone. I really that sarcasm with... didn't read. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll lay bad. more. I'll put more sauce on it next time. Um, the thing with Hilliard is. Uh, uh, oh, you're right, Logan. I'm sorry. He didn't tear his ACL. He, he had a neck injury. Um, He's a guy that we saw last year lead the team, I think, through like week eight or nine in touchdown receptions. He was used a lot in the red zone, was used a lot in the receiving game. That absolutely could be the way that this Titans team uses Tajay Spears. And not to say that that's how they were using him yesterday, because I wouldn't reveal that. But they could absolutely use him in that way if they choose to do that. Um, and I, I think that that is going to be uh, something that you, you see with with him kind of out of the gate like week one you could see Hilliard is a big part of this team but not in the way you might expect he's not exactly leeching carries from Derrick Henry so he's an exciting player and it's obvious immediately at camp he's going to be an impact for this team let's talk about my favorite player and your favorite player because I just want to talk about him for the the rest of the show if we could let's talk about Chig what did you see from uh him yesterday um how big of an impact do you think he's going to have on this offense? I know we Huge. talk about it a lot. Um, that was that was kind of a redundant question. But yeah, what, what are your <laughs> thoughts on on seeing him yesterday, both on the field and also in uh, having some media availability? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to a couple of clips from him here in just a second. But 
from an on-field standpoint, kind of another no news is good news from Chig. He he didn't do anything. I mean, the note he did some noteworthy things in terms of really nice catches, was being very, very, very heavily utilized, um, was was getting a lot of play, was was a, a big part of the the offense yesterday, as you'd expect him to be, because he's gonna have to be, right? He's he's a yeah. top three probably top two receiving talent on this team. Josh Norris over at underdog fantasy football, who does a great job on Twitter was talking about this yesterday with, uh, I think I commented on it and um, our, our guy, Justin Graver um, over at music city audible. And then Mike Herndon, we're talking to him about it as well. This is going to be, uh, I think functionally a wide receiver two at worst wide receiver three on this team, unless they go make some splash signing, between now and and the fall that that changes the dynamic of the wide receiving core. You're going to see Chig be that wide receiver two or three for this team from a production standpoint. I truly believe that. And yesterday he was being used quite a bit. Now, a quote of his that we'll start with here really doesn't have anything to do with his play yesterday. And again, that that kind of ends my analysis of him on the field yesterday. He looked like the guy you're expecting him to be this year. He looked like that guy who's going to be a 75, 85% snap share count guy um, and big part of the game at, in all facets, but obviously as a receiver, like he was last year, his fo- first quote that we're going to play here is a question asked of him talking about it, something we talked about a couple of episodes ago, JT, the Titans with their, their sled montage, they got everybody up in a, up in fits. Like how many teams are actually practicing like this, this time of year, is this new for the Titans? He was asked as to whether or not a lot had changed, if this was different from his experience last year. And here's what he had to say. I think that we'll be able to same as last year. We push sleds on Thursdays and we grind the whole week. So I feel like it's the same. Well, there you go. It's the same. So the, the answer to the question is, this is not an effort from the Titans to change their, their injury luck, their injury woes. It's an effort to just do what they've always done. And it sounds like what they do is different from at least a couple of teams around the league in terms of the ferocity, the violence, the urgency with which they're practicing this time of year. This next quote from Chig is him talking about more on a little, a little, little peek behind the door that some of these offensive guys have given us as to how much Tim Kelly is changing this offense from a fundamental standpoint, changing the verbiage, changing the way that they get in and out of the huddle, the way that they can operate on the field. Here, here were his comments on that. I think that we'll be able to operate a lot faster and a lot cleaner. We cleaned up a lot of, uh, you know, code words on offense to changing, you know, long verbiages in the huddle to just, you know, single words so we can just play fast and just like one word will tell us the entire play and everybody knows where to line up. It's harder, obviously, to learn, but when we learn, it'll be easier to, to play. And this last clip from him is when he was asked about his new teammate in the tight end room, Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati, fifth round pick by the Titans, a guy that we're not quite sure what his usage is going to be and how much he's going to be used. Here were his thoughts on Wiley. It sounds like Chig is a pretty big fan already. I think he's really good. He uh, has a very good understanding about like routes and how to create separation. And on top of that, he's fast and he's tall, so he's a mismatch in a lot of spots on the field as well. So, Fan of the guys in the tight end room, fan of Chig, obviously we are. And uh, I think that the tight end room is is going to be, and it certainly needs to be a, a pretty significant contributing factor early and often this year for the Titans. Yeah. And then one last question on, on the offensive uh, weapons here, prediction needed. Do, do they, do they roster for tight ends with how Mac has looked only two teams, but it sounds like 
maybe their idea is if if Mac can continue to kind of fight, they, they might be looking to move him to a wide receiver and make some more depth there. Yeah. Well, or if Chig again is functionally going to be a receiver, maybe you keep five receivers and then four tight ends instead of six receivers and three tight ends. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. are there are there more than five receivers on this roster right now? that you'd rather have over Chig and Alizé Mack on the roster? I don't know. I'll be honest. I've not I've not put a ton of thought yet into it's a little bit early for the put, trying to get roster predictions who's going to make the cut, who's not. But just off the top of my head, I think that Alizé Mack we again we've not seen a lot. He's still got to learn the offense. He's got a long camp coming up in July and August where he's got to prove himself. This time of year is less about earning a job and more about not losing a job. I think it's a lot easier to lose your job this time of year than it is to earn a job. And then you get to the, to the late summer in, in actual training camp. That's when you can earn the job. And I think that he'll have that opportunity, but I do think that's an interesting question based on, again, the very, very limited sample size I saw yesterday, which may have been, who knows, maybe it was Alizé Max best practice of his entire professional career. I have no idea. I've only seen him once, but based on what I saw, it does make me question. Maybe we keep four tight ends on this team and then just do five receivers because there are, one, there's not a sixth receiver that I like more, maybe. I don't know yet. And two, once again, you always have to consider, you put a guy like Alizé Mack on the practice squad versus the sixth or seventh receiver on this team. Who's more likely to get get taken by another team? Kind of think it's Alizé Mack based on this receiver room. Um, but you want to move on to the offensive line now? Yeah, let's move on to the offensive line. Of course, um, as, as Wes Morgan points out here, not – a lot of significant contact, but, um, no pads, unfortunately, but does Brewer and MPF look any better size athleticism technique, uh, more so just with all of them. What did you see from the offensive, a very new offensive line, um, yesterday and just maybe a little tidbits on how they are working together as a unit. Yeah. So gotta be super careful when when it comes to what I can and can't say from the offensive line. Because again, I can't I can't share exactly who was lined up where, but I can say, and I hope that this, I hope I'm able to convey what I'm wanting to convey to you all that have been paying attention. There's there's this assumption, JT. Let me address the size first. Um, with MPF and Brewer, if if anything, Brewer looks a little bit bigger to me than MPF does. Um, in terms of like, I don't think MPF has gotten significantly bigger over the offseason. He was already a big guy to begin with. With Brewer, he looks like he's playing in that. 280 maybe 290 if he's had a big meal kind of range that we thought that he or excuse me that he thinks that he's at based on what he said at media availability last week so I think that he's gotten some decent size and overall the offensive line looks like you don't you don't look at it whereas in the past with Brewer you look at the offensive line and be like oh the cool offensive line why is that tight end on the interior offensive line there what's going on it doesn't look like that right right now to me but again put some pads on him and then maybe ask me again as to how the offensive line as a whole looked, they looked good. Again, no pads, so it's very, very limited analysis from them. But getting cadences, getting um, familiar with one another, play style, footwork, all of the nitty-gritty mechanics behind the scenes that you got to get nailed down. They're working on that. Obviously, a very new group. We'll have a clip from MPF here in just a moment talking about that new group and how things are going in that offensive line room. But there's this perception, JT, and a warranted one from fans because of the past Vrabel and company have been very, very confident or confidence, the wrong word, very, very um, uh, interested in mixing and matching players with different positions, trying guys out different places, getting them cross trained at different positions, even though they're young or even rookie players, having them 
be as versatile as possible. They value that a lot. And Titans fans um, are bothered by that a lot because they like guys to be able to train, especially rookies. Let's play this guy at one spot. I mean, the biggest of recent memory is Dylan Raiden's coming in as a rookie and they're cross training him at all these different positions on the line, moving him around seemingly every day. And it's a lot of why are you doing this? If you want this guy to be decent out of the gate based on yesterday's practice. And again, it's one practice. We're not even into the fall yet. So a ton can change. It, it wasn't like it was last year in that regard. I can't say who was playing where, but pretty much the entire day, and by pretty much, I mean, I did not see this ever not be the case. It was the same five guys out there that, that I at least would expect to see out there that I think others would expect to see out there and playing the same positions over and over. So hopefully that conveys to people what they're interested in knowing. Um, but that's really all I have to say on the offensive line topic. Let's hear this one clip from MPF real quick. Caught him coming off of the field, and we asked him about the new offensive line room and how things are going. Us um, got a connection with the teammates because uh, we have a you know a big group, a new new unit. So those are the things that we try to emphasize here. Um, for this year because we have a whole new group and a whole new system so what what specifically are you trying to emphasize um i mean just a whole from the ground up we're working a foundation here because you know it's a new system um we're working pass sets run blocking keys techniques so we're building it from the ground up and we're working over again but it's good as we're taking a lot of stuff from last year improving it and making it better how would you describe kind of the chemistry right now you mentioned all the new faces it's, it's still a work in progress uh, it's a different vibe because like last year it felt like a lot of guys were, were here and they were like like kind of already have this thing but then now we have a new system we have a lot of new guys coming in it kind of feels like it's our own thing it's our own foundation so it's a cool it's a cool experience and for you no longer being a rookie coming in having another off season under your belt just how much more confidence do you have going into year two according to these guys i'm still a rookie for three more games so i gotta get through the preseason but um the confidence I have is built through my coaches, is built through Vrabel, is built through the weight room, is built through all the people around me, training me, talking to me during the off season, what I've done in the off season, what I'm doing now. And I'm working as much as I can for me to do everything I can to make the team better. Obviously, I feel like overall you guys will have enough time to gel as a now, I tried to sneak in a question yeah, after dang, after got, this recording. Yeah, I fast enough for you. I was not I was not quick enough on the draw. I did get it in after that next question, but then I, I decided not to include the recording in today because he kind of gave a non-answer, which you I it was a question I knew what he was gonna say, but I figured I'd try it anyway, just asking about how last year felt like there was a lot of mixing and matching with positions and players. This year kind of seems like maybe that's not the case. Do you guys feel like you have a pretty set position already? And he just said, you know, we'd have to talk to the coaches about that. It's early, all the things that, and I don't fault him at all. Like that's the answer he has to give. Um, but you know, you got to try sometimes, right? You got to try. Um, do we want to go ahead and move on to the defense? Yeah, let's uh, wrap up here with a lot of offense because of course a lot of new faces on the offense, but the sure, defense, sure. um, Stays the same, but also not really because there were a lot of absences on the defensive side of the ball that were pretty interesting. A couple big ones um, yeah. yesterday, but let's start with the defense and we'll start with the secondary. Um, you seem to have a lot of interest with the new DB's coach, Chris Harris. You were talking about how electric he was at practice, just yep. super high energy. What were your thoughts on on him and how he is already making an impact on this secondary room? And JT, he demands my interest. He demands all of our interests. If you were there at camp, you'd have been saying the same thing. Like this guy, he he brings the juice. He was he was probably uh, why like, he was a, a big contender for a lot of uh, yes. defensive coordinator positions. And why and why the players that he's coached in the past all speak so highly of him. Like this is a guy that 
you can tell that players, but I don't know if he's necessarily a player's coach in the way that you um, would typically interpret that where he's like, you know, really, really gives into what the players want. I, I don't, I don't know about that aspect of it, but I do know he's got to be a player's coach in the sense that the players got to love this guy. Cause he brings the energy. He brings the good vibes. It was a really refreshing thing to see out there at Titans camp. Not to say that there haven't been high energy moments in the past with coaches and players, but yesterday he was fired up all day long. And to be fair to the defensive backs, they gave him good reason to be, they looked really, really good yesterday. The secondary brought the business all day long, which was a surprising thing, first of all, because two key members of the secondary weren't there. But also, the secondary is on the defense, easily the glaring hole between the the, the, the front four, the, the defensive front and the defensive secondary. Like, the odd man out is the secondary. They are significantly worse and have less depth, uh, specifically at the safety position. But they looked really good. And there were a number of guys yesterday who made a lot of plays on defense against ones who I'm like, number number 37, who is that? You know, pulling out my sheet, trying to figure out, you know, who, who, okay, gotcha. James M. Pay out of, you know, Panera Bread State. I, these these are dudes that you you don't know about. They're, they're, uh, they are UDFAs, but they've come in and could they, again, nuance people. Am I saying that they could be starters, NFL caliber cornerbacks? No, I'm not. I am saying that they may have a couple of Trey Avery's on this team. They have a couple of guys that turn out to be UDFA defensive backs, cheap guys that you can have on the roster that bring some nice, surprisingly nice depth, some, some surprisingly competent depth to the defensive back room. Some guys that in in relief wouldn't be a total disaster. And with Trey Avery, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. You know, he he's he's playing manned up against Stefan Diggs in week two, and everybody's like, dear God, what's going on? But then the rest of the year, there were times when you're like, okay, I'm glad we had Trey Avery out there today because we had a bunch of nothing else. And at least he was able to hold it down. I'm not saying these guys are going to be that, but they, on this first viewing of them against live action, against the ones, the veteran ones, there's some guys that, that showed up a little bit. And I think that that's a positive. Here's a, a quote from defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen on Chris Harris, the new defensive backs coach and the energy that he brings to the team. Excited to add Chris, um, the energy, you feel it every single minute from him. Um, I think just his perspective on the back end, some different things schematically, technique wise, I think it's refreshing for those guys to hear something new. Um, he's been really good for us so far and I'm excited about where this thing goes with him here. So before we move on to the next topic on defense, JT, let's, let's address a couple of the questions in the chat here. Um, let's see, Jacob asking if this is a faster, more athletic offensive line. Yes. And we asked NPF about that yesterday. If they've in the, in the, um, offensive line room have been focusing on the speed, the get off, the physicality, the athleticism. And he said, yeah, absolutely. That's been a big, if not the biggest focus for us. And I would, I would say, yes, Jacob, they look younger. They look fresher. They look more athletic. Not to say that Ben Jones and Taylor Juan. Um, and, and, and Nate Davis and all of those guys aren't athletic and, you know, weren't studs in their own right. But at the end, there is a lot of load management for guys like Juan and, and Ben Jones. It was a lot of, um, respecting just how they're gritting through the pain and their bodies starting to not have the same, not have the same durability and flexibility that they've had in the past. You know, just a little bit of old man itis out there at times with these guys, they look fresh, they look young, they look ready to go. Um, they don't have 10,000 bionic contraptions on every knee and elbow to try to help their joints. Like it, it does look better in that way, Jacob. 
And Jacob also mentions back on the offensive front that he keeps thinking that even modest improvement in the passing game will lead to massive success for a certain running back, or I might I posit a certain couple of running backs. Um, but yes, Jacob, absolutely. That is absolutely the case. And if you have any from, from the tight ends, from the receivers, from freaking often big fat man touchdowns, who cares? Whoever is receiving the football, if they do a better job than in the past, it's going to be, it's going to pay dividends. It's going to be a full force multiplier for the running back side of things. Diesel asks if, if Chris Harris is giving off a little Kerry Coombs vibes. Absolutely. Yes. That's a very good comp high energy all about it. I agree entirely. And then Josh mentions that it speaks to the quality of the wide receivers more than anything. In my opinion, I hope Brooks and Phillips won their matchups. Yes, they did. Josh, they did. They looked like the, they looked the part as we've been saying all year, JT, like, you know, you and I have been kind of annoyed by how much we've seen. Wow. This it, national and local media. Wow. This team has trailing Burks and a bunch of lawn chairs and deck furniture, man. Ignorant. They have trailing Burks and Kyle Phillips and then a bunch of lawn chairs and deck furniture. That's what they have. And Kyle Phillips deserves to be in that conversation. Again, the, only question you have with Kyle Phillips is his durability. That's it. Because JT, if I told you he's healthy for 17 games next year, what's your stat line prediction? Probably 600, 700 yards. Yeah, lower. at least. Yeah. You know, that's exactly. what I would think. Yeah, I would say like six to 800 yards, four, five, six touchdowns as a floor. If he played all 17 games and is healthy, he's going to be a, a nasty, nasty little slot player. And he's going to be a massive impact, I think, like you saw with him in the Giants game last year. The only guy, really, of the top three receivers on this team, JT, the only guy we don't have any questions about is Chig. Like, if you're like, okay, yeah. these top three guys, Traylon, Chig, and Phillips. With Phillips, it's durability. Other than that, I don't have any questions. With with Traylon, I don't have any questions about his ability to be a good receiver, but can he be a true one? Can he be that guy that handles the one workload? Other than that, not a lot of questions. With Chig, I think it's going to be a stud. I don't have any questions. I think he's just going to ball out. Um, back to the defensive side of things, JT. One guy that we didn't see out there, but for expected reasons, is is um, Harold Landry. Yeah, he was someone who, of course, tore his ACL in, uh, in training camp last season. Mm -hmm. um, and, and right after signing that new big boy contract, and of course... Real bummer turn of emotions there. <laughs> exactly, a lot of right? Fans. Yeah. Um, but he's someone who is most likely going to make a big impact on an already pretty stout and stellar defense. How do you think uh, how do you think he will impact that defense when he finally returns? Well, and usually, JT, if you said something like that, I'd be like, well, have a let's pump the brakes. He tore his ACL last year, so we don't know how much of an impact he's going to be this season. But it was in August, right? Like what yeah, like it you was said, before the season. It's it was it's been longer than pretty much any other coming season coming off of an ACL injury injuries have been. It's, a, it's as good as it gets, unless you tear your ACL in, in May, I guess. Um, so he's, I think going to be as close to a hundred percent as you've seen any guy coming off of an ACL before. Again, we didn't see him yesterday. We got to hear from his defensive coordinator and he talked a little bit about how he's going to be a big impact for for us. We're super excited to have him back and get him back in the rotation when he's ready. And we expect him to be ready soon. And, um, it, it, with a guy like that, where you, especially you sign a big contract, you're a star on this team. You're coming off of a 12 or something like that sack season in 2021 fans, you're becoming a household name for this team. And then you have that, you know, a, a terrible turn of events. And then you kind of are out of sight, out of sight, out of mind a little bit. It, maybe fans have forgotten a little, a little bit about what Harold Landry can de do. Here's Bowen on his star player. Kind of drift off. 
drift away, go get their surgeries and rehab, and we're so consumed with everything going on uh, week to week, um, it's hard to really stay connected to those guys. So now having him here working, I know he's going to be working as hard as anybody to get back out there. Um, been a long process for him here leading up to this point. He's in meetings, he's back in, involved with the guys and around, so it's great to have him. I know. All right. You want to move on to Molden? Yeah, let's move on to Molden, who um, had a pretty interesting uh, day unexpected. at OTAs. Yeah. Unexpected. Um, the word the word on the street is that the Titans um, are maybe tr- looking to play him at a little bit at safety, which was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, and the word on the street is correct. That's I mean, whether they're looking to play him that way in, in the fall, we don't know. But yesterday, they sure were looking to play him that yeah. way because he played at safety the majority of the time he was out on the field, they moved him around quite a bit. He played a lot of uh, slot and corner as well, or slot and nickel as well, but he was at safety quite a bit. Now, part of that is due to the fact that Kevin Byard, not there. We'll talk about that at length here in just a moment. But another part of that, I think is he's got the athleticism. He's got the mentality. He's got the play style to be a good safety. And I think between the ears, he absolutely is, is a, is a polished brainy, heady player. I was talking to, um, we were talking to, uh, uh, who was I talking to? No, it wasn't. It was, it was Braden. It was Braden Gall at 440. I was like, is it Ben Arthur? No, it wasn't Ben. I was talking to Braden Gall yesterday. Um, a guy that we're very familiar with great guy over, over here with us at 440 about how the first year that Molden was in the system, the first year that Molden was took the field as a rookie, they were practice one. They were playing him at safety some. So like this has always been within him. It's always been something that I think they have had on the back burner for him potentially. And uh, here's a video of him talking about how he's dealt with injuries. First season in the league, he was very healthy, played all the all the snaps. Was really the only plus player from that draft class as a rookie. Then last year deals with nagging injuries all year. Really isn't an impact at all. This year he's looking to change that. And here are his thoughts on how he's going to go about that. Not much has changed. I mean, I think like different approaches. I feel like I've kind of been dealing with um, a similar type of injury now. So now I'm starting to get used to my body and, and uh, figure out what responds well and what doesn't. Um, and then also just getting in the playbook and starting to kind of um, be more versatile in terms of just in the secondary. So. So Molden, like we like we said, he played a lot at safety yesterday. He looked good at safety. And the only comment I have from a from an editorial standpoint here is, you know, coming into this practice, we were all of the opinion that, wow, I mean, our whole our lead into last show was it's Kevin Byard, it's Amani Hooker, and then it's a bunch of who is that on this roster? Well, maybe now it's those two guys and Elijah Molden at safety. And if that's the case, like the depth is still a concern. But the Andrew Adams role that was played last year by Andrew Adams, who is now on a different team, that's a a sneaky big loss for this team. And without a third viable safety in that rotation, this team's easily least lowest depth position was the safety position. With Molden at safety, if that's the idea, is he's going to be a versatile piece we can play at at slot corner, uh, play in the nickel, play as 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 a blitzing safety, play as a nickel safety. I think that that may be the role for him this year. And if that's the case, then it makes you feel a lot better about the, it makes you feel a lot better about the situation for safety with this team. Yeah, for sure. I, in, I mean, let's look at the depth chart right now. Like okay. behind uh, Amani Hooker. Depth chart? Yeah. Okay. Let's look, let's look at behind Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard. You have Josh Thompson, mm-hmm. 
Mike Brown. Who? Matthew Jackson. Huh? And Tyreek Jones. Who? Yeah. Two guys that they they two guys that are kind of very, very back end of your roster depth rotational players and two UDFAs. So like it, well, four guys you really don't want on the roster, to be honest with you. That's, yeah, that's and, just and, the reality. And so right now, with the Kevin Byard situation and with Imani Hooker, Hooker's like nagging injuries that he's always had, sure. um, it, it might not be a bad idea to give some of these other guys with the the introduction of Sean Murphy Bunting into the cornerback rotation. Like moving some of these guys over is not the worst idea in the world. No, I agree. So let's talk about this. The kind of the last thing we're going to talk about is the two big absences on the defensive side of the ball in Christian Fulton and in uh, Kevin Byard. Three clips here to show of different people because a you know big talking point with everybody was where is Byard? What's the deal with Byard? This first clip is from his defensive coordinator Shane Bowen talking about kind of a lengthy answer here on what Byard means to this team and what they expect out of him this year. I mean. Yeah, obviously he's he's a huge part of what we do here. Um, he's been our leader, him along with Jeff, Harold, some of these guys have played a ton of snaps for us. They're reliable, they're dependable in all aspects of what it takes to play at this level at a high level. Um, so, again, like it's a business. We all understand that. Um, everybody has a different way about how they train in the offseason. It's no, no secret. Some guys do things differently. Some guys are here. Some guys aren't. It's not just Kevin, you know. So um, he's a big part of what we do. I will say, I think for the young guys, they miss it, you know. Like, I have, I have zero, zero doubt that Kevin Byer's not going to be ready to go when he gets here. Right? He's, he works his butt off. He does everything the right way. He's a pro's pro. Um, he knows what we do schematically. He communicates. I think, really, for me, it's the... Uh, it's the leadership that those young guys see, and they're, they're going to learn pretty quickly what Kevin Byard is and why he's so successful the moment he steps in the store. Um, but, I mean, it's part of the business. You know, it's part of the league. Some guys here, some aren't. And I have no doubt Kevin's going to be ready to go when he does walk through. If Kevin Byard is the number one leader on this defense, then the one he's 1A to Jeffrey Simmons's 1B. And so he's a he's a guy that we asked at the podium yesterday, Jeffrey Simmons, about Kevin Byard, what the situation is with him and, and what maybe lack of leadership, the, 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 the absence of leadership, rather, that this team is experiencing right now, that the secondary is experiencing right now without Kevin Byard. And, and Jeffrey gave a little bit of insight as to what may be going on behind the scenes that we aren't are factoring into the evaluation here. I wouldn't even say just condition. I think at this point, you know, the condition phases um, that we've been through, of course, this offseason, you want to be in shape, you want to get in shape. But um, like Coach said today, you know, early on when the guys was here during uh, the uh, first phase of OTAs and stuff like that, that's the condition part. Uh, then it's coming with the technique. Now we're on the field. Um, so I think my thing is just getting the, my feet back in the ground. You know, it's been, you know, a while since I've been healthy. Uh, it's been a while since I've felt myself. Um, just being able to go out there and, you know, work on the bag, work with Coach T and individual, then, you know, gets a couple of team where, where I think that's big for me. But, you know, when we talk about just uh, me being here, you know, this is what I love to do. I love the game of football. And I, um, you know, I think when you're trying to build your team, your championships, 
uh, trying to build a championship team. This is where it starts at. And uh, you know, being here was important. To, is important to me. Um, getting healthy is important. Um, I'm not all the way there yet. Um, that's why I'm kind of working my way back into it now. So, like I said, just getting getting back on the field with them guys. You know, is I feel good just to be back out there with them. And I think that, like I said, that's where you build your team. You know, the standard. Uh, when we talk about the standard, when I, when they see me out there with the guys, you know, I think it means something to our team that, you know, um, even when I'm rehabbing or just out there running to the ball or whatever it may be, doing a pursuit drill uh, we did today, I think, just shows what we're about um, here in Tennessee. No matter who you are, you know, that's how we want some, we want people who are going to buy into our standards. So, well, I thought that clip went on to go. The next question is really what I was trying to get out of here. But that that is why Jeffrey Simmons was here for this phase of not voluntary OTAs. He went on to then say with Kevin Byard that he's a guy that is a leader on and off the field. He's still in that group chat. He's still behind the scenes talking to these guys, working with these guys. He's not worried at all about his leadership. And he said that he knows Kevin. This team knows Kevin. They respect Kevin. The coaches respect Kevin. The front office respects Kevin. They're dealing with some of the business side of things right now. But then he ended that statement by saying, and whether this is something that he's going based on something he knows, maybe he's talked to Kevin about this. Maybe he's just saying it because he thinks it and feels it. It's an opinion. I don't know if this was a statement of fact or opinion from him, but either way, he did say that he expects to see Kevin here when they get to mandatory mini camp on June 6th through the 8th. So we then asked Mike Vrabel about Kevin Byard, and we got a couple of clips from him about the guys that weren't there. This first one is just about Bayard and, and, and coach Rabel mentions um, what he, what his last contact with his star safety was. Sunday looks great. Had a great conversation. So that was fun. Unexpected. Now I, very short. Cause I cut it off. Here's the second part of the question real quick. He was then asked about what, what's it like without Bayard here? And, and then he was asked about, Where's Fulton? Watch the listen to and watch the demeanor shift when he talks about these two guys in this clip. I would expect him at some point down here. How about Christian? Don't you see here? Nope. Okay. Nope. So is Kevin going to be here? Yeah. I mean, I'd expect to see him here at some point. Yeah. Is Christian here? It, I mean, it was it was a very not great, it was a very um, almost damning nope. You know, like it was, there's a, just, there's a lot of context behind that nope. That yeah. one little word brought a lot of context. Yes, um, JT. I don't know about you. I it is we are this train is headed just flying down the hill to Christian Fulton's last year as a Titanist 2023. And that's what when we when we when we talked about that yesterday when you hosted that little. Um, Twitter space, Twitter space that, that it's kind of the, the question on everyone's mind. Um, it is a contract year for him. And that's something that Shane yep. Bowen talked about yesterday that um, and Shane Bowen was a little more nice about it. But, you know, they <laughs> expected yes. to see him somewhere and they expect well, no, I, exactly what Shane Bowen said was it's a big year for Christian. We know it. He knows it. It's a contract yep. year, yep. which is the politically correct way to say, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, exactly. But yeah, I, my, my thoughts on him are just that it, very poor decision on his part for him not to be there. I saw some people talking in the past 24 hours about what's more important or what, what's the what's what is the more important development here, right? That Christian Fulton wasn't at, at this phase of OTAs or that Kevin Byard wasn't at this phase of OTAs. We, 
which matters more to the player? Easily, easily Christian Fulton, not even close. With with Bayard, he's got a reason not to be here right now. He's dealing with contract issues, negotiations, a situation where there's some uncertainty there, and this is not mandatory. And he's also the veteran of all veterans on this team at this point. Like the the dude. Christian Fulton, not the veteran of all veterans, not the dude, does not have that goodwill with the organization. Already came off of last year. Little up and down, and clearly in the eyes of his coach, not not doing enough, not not living up to the potential that his coach expects him to live up to. And he was one of the two guys that Coach Rebel very famously at the end of last season pointed out, hey, there are guys on this team who are repeat offenders, such as, just to name a few, David Long and Christian Fulton, who are repeat offenders with the soft tissue injuries, and we've got to figure out a way to, to get that to stop. These guys have got to get their bodies ready to not have that be a problem in the season. Well, David Long Jr. was was unceremoniously let let go to the Dolphins in free agency. And Christian Fulton, I think, is headed on that exact same track. Now, if things dramatically change, if he's a stud lockdown corner all year this year and and he's a guy that doesn't miss any games and doesn't have soft tissue injuries, then maybe that changes things. But frankly, I think this team is at a point with their emotional investment with Christian Fulton, how much they, the people like the people. Cause that's part of it, right? It's not just, is he, or is he not a good player? Also, does your coach like you? Do you get along with the guys in that room? Do they think that you are a worker? That's, I don't know, not an eight to four guy, just to name a random time. that's never been mentioned before by Titans brass. Um, that's kind of the vibe that you get from Christian Fulton based on the way that the coaches talk about him. And I think even if he's a stud, he may still be gone. They may just be like, awesome. Great. We can sell him for more now. And, and that may be the case. You may see him have an awesome start to the season, and it would not shock me one bit if this team is like four and two going into the bye, trade deadline looming, and then Christian Fulton goes for a third next year. People are going to be like, what? Why? Huh? First of all, this team needs draft capital bad, and Christian Fulton is very high on the expendable list of guys right now for me. And I think that they're probably going to be looking to potentially do that. So don't be shocked if that happens, whether he is good or not. And with that, JT, um, I think that kind of wraps up our show. So that's OTAs. That was or the OTAs that we were allowed to attend. Um, we've got a lot of more content coming down the pike this summer, but it's going to be, I think we have, this is maybe we're at the end of the fresh content. Um, it's all going to be, it's all going to be fresh, but I mean, fresh in terms of what's going on in Titans world. We know that they have mandatory minicamp June 8th, 6th through the 8th coming up in a couple of days. I don't know if we're going to be allowed to be there for that. Um, I, so far, I think no, but I'm, I've not heard beyond that. Then you've got camp starting up training camp starting up in late July. And so between now and then that's kind of the desert that we're going into from content from a content standpoint, but have no fear. JT and I have been hard at work coming up with some ideas. We have some things banked, um, not already recorded, but some ideas banked for us to discuss some topics for us to talk about. Now, will we be doing three shows all through the summer? No, absolutely not. We'll do one or two a week. I can guarantee we'll have at least one show every week for sure. Try to do two if there's enough to talk about, but we're not going to force it. We won't force it if there's really not a whole lot to talk about. Um, and we'll we'll talk about a number of things. Still have to go episode by episode. We're going to go into deep dives on each of these rookies that have been brought in. Maybe some of the players that we expect to be big breakouts, big year two breakouts. We can talk about them from a detailed standpoint. A number of guests we have lined up that we're excited to talk about, football and non-football things, some in human interest stories to get into. So all of that coming up. We'll be back, I think, on Friday at our usual time, first thing Friday morning. Not sure what we'll talk about, but we'll figure out something, JT. Still a number of things that we can discuss coming off of OTAs. And until then, 
Um, just a quick reminder, Logan, uh, appreciate this mention of the five-star reviews. We are out of time today. I am really sorry. On Friday, I can guarantee we won't run out of time because we won't have a ton of things Whoops. to talk about. So yeah, we, we dropped the ball Oops. on that. Hand up, hand up, drop the ball on that. Friday, I'm, right now in the Friday rundown, I'm going to put at the top of the page, five-star reviews. So we will not forget it and we will have time to get to those. And if you want to be included in that, you have time now. You have 48, 72 hours or something like that. Go over to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get the show. Give us a five-star review after you subscribe, of course, because you got to subscribe to get the shows. And, and, then- besides, and besides Logan's, like people have given us... Um- people have given us five-star reviews but they haven't left a review they've just put five stars well we appreciate the stars but please (laughs) please write something let us read something just give us your twitter handle or something or hey we i love the show hey i hate the show hey you guys are stupid say something we want to hear from you um but yeah we will do that on friday and until then for producer jt i'm your host easton freeze this has been the hot read podcast have a great rest of your week guys we'll talk to you first thing friday